said, we will not walk in it. We've been challenging you to, in, in a time when everybody's wanting to move forward, when we're wanting to get back to normal or we're wanting to get to whatever the new normal would be, to not be in such a hurry, as even Leanne shared, uh, some lyrics Leanne Stiver shared with me as she came in, some lyrics from the different song that I know she shared a word to a few years ago um, regarding not wanting things to change so quickly, but allowing the Lord to speak to you within this moment now. To be in such a hurry for that new thing, for that forward thing, for that new normal, but rather take a look at the ancient paths because those have never changed. Your calling as a Christ follower has, has never changed. And what is meant to be a priority in your life is still in moments as we begin the 2021, still calling you back to what is most important. And uh, I appreciate those of you who have been doing those devotions. Last week we talked about the first thing on that ancient path is simple devotion. And, and many of you have returned even to that this week as you're getting those, uh, on, those uh, text message devotions. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, that's how you get those. All you got to do is text that word in all caps, R-E-T-R-O-W-A, to that phone number, 440-336-8622. And you'll start getting daily devotions. They'll come in at 8 o'clock. So if you're not awake and you have a text message symbol, it's going to wake you up at 8 o'clock and remind you to get up and do your devotion, okay? Um, But if you don't do text messaging for whatever reason, we do have the same thing on our website. You can just click right there. There's a page that looks just like that on our website. You click on that page, and it'll take you to the whole thing. Now, you're going to get the whole thing for the whole month of January if you go there, where if you text, you're just going to get a little blurb for today. So there's a way that you can go and and get those devotions uh, daily, and that's how you do that, by texting that. But before, um, so as we, we go to the next theme today, um, our theme for today is loyalty. Loyalty. And I got to tell you, this theme really bothered me. And I'll see, we're doing this, I'm doing this, this series together with Harvest Ridge Church up in North Ridgeville, Ohio. This was the church that I sat under as a youth pastor. And actually, before I explain anything more, Nick's going to go ahead and give you the greeting um, from my senior pastor. Take about a quick 15 to 30 second video here. He's going to give you a greeting from Pastor Kevin Crow, who is doing this series with us and providing, uh, their church is providing these devotions for you. I wanted to send a greeting to you. My name is Kevin Crow, and uh, for years I was the senior pastor, and Brody Wright served with us here at Harvest Ridge. And I just want to tell you, I love that guy. I love him and his family so much. And I am thrilled that we're working together in this retro series. As a matter of fact, he is adding so much to my prep time that is so helpful and beneficial. And uh, we pray God blesses you and that we grow together in our faith as we follow Jesus. So that's Pastor Kevin Crow, And you can check check out his messages as well at harvestridge.net. 
uh, if you're, if I'm pretty sure I got that right. And if it's wrong, it's just Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. You can find that on the web, and he's going to be doing similar message. We actually really even have a similar outline for this Sunday. But as I, so we, we take just a moment each week, and we kind of wrestle with what the Lord's been showing us. And it's been great how these things have come together. And I did not like that word. I did not like the word loyalty, because it often means really what's at the bottom of that list. And what we had come up with, what, what came up, what happened at 9.30 in the morning on Wednesday when we were praying and looking at the text together, is we came up with this hierarchy. And that's what's, what the problem is, is so oftentimes when people hear that word loyalty, they think that means loyalty to another individual or loyalty to family. But there are bigger things that we must be loyal to. And so we're going we're gonna to pull this all together this morning. Um, I'm going to spend the next few moments unpacking this hierarchy. And I understand that there's some of you here who have been in the military or different forces, and maybe you've been given another hierarchy. Um, I, I just want to tell you that, that, that even in, um, that in this moment, this, I'm not going to say that this hierarchy is the Logos word of God from, from Scripture divinely, but I believe I would be so bold to say that it is the word of God for this church and this moment. Because we need to pay attention that there are also many things that are not on that list, such as family, country, political party, church denomination, our wallet, those that wear masks during COVID, those that don't want to wear masks during COVID. So many different things that are not on that list that in strange ways, ways that I never thought could ever happen, We see Christ followers who were meant to place their loyalty to God first, submitting their loyalty to other things. So these are the three most basic elements. And today, if you allow the Lord to do a new work in your life with all the stuff going on in our country and our world today, this can bring instant peace to you if you will receive it this morning as the word of God. Let's, let's pray this morning. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage in Acts that calls us. It says that, that we must obey God rather than human beings. That God exalted Christ to the right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel and now the church to repentance and forgive our sins. That we are witnesses of his works and that the Holy Spirit who and, and, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given us to obey. Today, as we open up your word, Lord, may we be reminded of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's talk about some of these things um, this morning. Some of these these different pieces of this hierarchy, and I'm just going to keep that up because I'm actually going to st- uh, start with the bottom, which first of all um, would be loyalty to each other. Now, uh, do you do you remember the days when you didn't just go? I mean, like if if you see, I don't know, give me some give me some kind of example. Um, I'm sorry, Sammy, to keep picking on me, but track shorts. If you see track shorts online, and what kind of track shorts do you prefer more than any others? Yeah, but brand. Nike. But what if you could get the same thing from Under Armour for $5 cheaper? You're going to go with Nike or you're going to go with Under Armour? 
He's still going to go with Nike. So he still has loyalty to a brand. And I got in a weird conflict this week where my car stalled and I was stalled at a gas station. And I have this mechanic that I've discovered in Preble County that I love going to. I had to leave another mechanic I like because we heard this guy was a lot cheaper. And so I started going to them and consistently they've, they've always been straight up with me. But I couldn't get a tow truck to there for like five or six hours. So I was going to be stranded for five or six hours to figure something out. So I went with somebody else. And then I got gouged. I got gouged a lot more than I would have spent with my original mechanic. And so I wonder if you wrestle with those kinds of things about when it comes to your pocketbook. Or is there someone, there was a day when we didn't really care how much the cost was. There were certain people that we did business with, especially in a small town like this. This is who we did business with. We didn't care what the price was because we wanted to give them our business and we trusted them. Was that a really long time ago? Do you remember those things? You remember those days when it used to be about the relationship we had with someone rather than the cost or ra- and knowing that they would do good work for you? Well, I wonder what happens when, again, I told you I didn't put things like family on here. I didn't. There's other things I could have put on here, and they certainly would be a part of that hierarchy, but... Uh, just on down the list, there's a very interesting story in Scripture about this. We find it in in 1 Samuel. Basically, the whole second half of 1 Samuel, we see this story going in and out about about three different people, David, Saul, and then one man who was kind of stuck in the middle named Jonathan. Maybe you've heard uh, stories of, of how loyal Jonathan was to King David. And so, you know, you can find these stories in the second half of 1 Samuel, chapters 18, 19, 20, and even it ends about 31. But Saul was the king, the first king of Israel, and he was Jonathan's father. Jonathan knew that Saul was anointed by God to be king. But Jonathan also knew that David had now been anointed to be the next king by Samuel, by the prophet Samuel. And Saul begins to go mad at the end of his reign mostly in fear of God's wrath. And Saul tries to kill David. But David and Jonathan are friends. David and Jonathan are really close. Uh, Jonathan knows that David has done so much for his father as a warrior and for the kingdom of Israel. So who would Jonathan be loyal to? And so those of you who who have read this story in Scripture before, you know that the easy answer to that question would certainly be David if you are familiar with the text. But that assumes, that answer assumes that in all contexts, Jonathan chose David over Saul. Now, but we have to remember that Jonathan actually died in battle fighting for his father. He wasn't fighting against David, though. He was fighting against the Philistines. That's where Jonathan's life would end. So it's not that he chose one over the other. He continued, in, in, in the case of whether he would kill David or not, he chose not to kill either one of them, King Saul or, I mean, King Saul or soon-to-be King David. So uh, it was almost as if he was forced to pick a side. But I just want to stop right there for a moment because that is exactly... What the enemy is wanting to do to the church right now. It's the oldest tactic. He's used it for generation to generation. And for those of you that study eschatology and look at end times at all, this is how it's all going to end. 
You know what I'm talking about? The enemy loves to get us to say, you need to pick a side. You need to pick a side right now. And that other side, they're the enemy. Does this sound familiar to you today? And the very people that we are called to reach, just like Jesus said, as we're talking about the first church in Acts 1.8, go, therefore, you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. Two places, Samaria especially, a place where there's people there that you don't like. And historically, they don't like you that much either. Go to them. That's what Jesus said. But the enemy has this scheme that's going to go all the way till the end of times that's going to say, pick a side and let's go. Sound familiar in our culture today? The enemy's goal is to pick a side and this is how it all ends. And I wonder how much energy and thought do we spend drawing lines in the sand rather than building someone up to do what they were truly created to do. We do this pick-a-side stuff and get really angry over sometimes the pettiest of things, the, the silliest of things. And you know, we have told ourselves when we do these things that we're standing up for what is right. This is us standing up for what we believe in. This is us standing up for what is right. Well, I'll just tell you, and I'll, I have no shame in sharing this from the pulpit. Man or woman, it does not take a whole heck of a lot of courage for you to post something on social media. That's not really standing up for much of anything. That's just, in many ways, that's actually pretty cowardly because the reality is you probably would not say those same things to those people on that other side if you were in person with them. You would probably do like, like adults do at our board meeting yesterday when we come together and we know we're kind of all on different ends of this spectrum. We know that we love the people sitting next to us and we respect their opinion, so we're going to come together and draw some conclusions li- with our ears open to listen to what other people are saying and come up with solutions for the church as a whole that make sense. Isn't that what grown-ups do? Isn't that what Christ followers do? And what's even scarier is that a lot of times with this, with this sharing of our quick opinions these days, it often doesn't really have anything to do with trying to convince anyone. What we're trying to do is justify ourselves. Wanting to get someone else to agree with us to feel like we're right. We're not losing our minds. We're, we're in the know. We're in the right on all of this. But you know what Scripture says about justification? You know what Scripture says about justification regarding me and regarding you? Christ died for you because you're wrong. Because you are a sinner. Go ahead, you can do it. You look at the person next to you and say, you're wrong. How did that feel? I've been waiting to tell them that for a long time. This is the truth of Scripture. 
You're not justified by your opinion. You're not justified by anything you have ever done, young man, young woman, old man, old woman. You are justified by the blood of Christ. You are justified by the resurrection of Christ, that he can look at you and see an imperfect person and say, I love that man. I love that woman. I've given my life so that they can spend eternity with me. Church, doesn't that sound so much better than this strange, weird stuff that we see going on in our world today? I am a man or a woman of God that is justified by Christ, not by my opinion. I don't need someone to agree with me. I don't need 17, 20 some likes. And I don't, every, then every time I get somebody that doesn't agree with me, I need 17 more likes to build up my confidence again. Isn't that the way it often works? Let's grow up, church, and be the men and women of God. They're looking for us today. They're looking for the church to answer. They don't know that's what they're looking for. But they're looking for us to build others and not just keep tearing each other down. And see, you are not, as I shared, you're not justified your opinion. You are justified by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you got into this thing as a Christ follower through grace. And so why don't we receive grace instead of chasing after something that you have been baited by the enemy into thinking that you need? God has already said yes to you by his grace. He loves you. He's approved of you. You are justified by his sacrifice and what he has done for you. And so that was a sidebar, but now back to David and Jonathan. See, Jonathan was loyal to both of the Lord's anointed. He was loyal to King David. He was loyal to Saul. He would not kill one for the other. And he would not commit an act that would aid in the killing of one for another. What he knew about David, though, was that David would not kill the Lord's anointed because David was given the opportunity to kill the king that was pursuing him. Right there, Saul was laying in a cave right by King David, and all of David's men were like, this is it. This is your chance. The Lord, isn't that like what we do? We like to call this, God has set this up for you. We love to do a lot of, a lot of anti-Christ things in the name of Christ. But the Lord sets this up not so that David would do it, but so generations after generations to this day, we would learn of David's character that what God has anointed it is not my place to remove. David used this as an opportunity to show and tell King Saul, hey, by the way, I had an opportunity to take your life, and I didn't do it, and I won't do it, because you are the Lord's anointed. Now, Jonathan knows these things. Jonathan knows these things about David. Jonathan knows the kind of man that David is. And what he knew was that David would not kill the Lord's anointed, and he knew that David was seeking the living God where his father was running from the living God. And see, now do we start to see this hierarchy taking place. The next one is that Saul, or excuse me, Jonathan was loyal to the truth. Jonathan was loyal to the truth. In Jonathan's context, he knew the truth of Saul and David. And it is true that we live in a day where it's harder to know the truth about what is going on in the world around us. We often hear very conflicting stories. 
But what I want to tell you is that oftentimes we're chasing after information that if we can just come to some conclusions that we're probably never going to know all of these details. Maybe it's not necessary that we do. I don't think I'm going to you know, have the potential and power to figure all this out by watching, uh, figure all these details out by watching mainstream media. <laughs> I've, I have come up with the solution by the hours I've spent on MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Here I am with the, with the conclusions to resolve all the conflict in the world. See, there's things that, that you know that go far beyond any wisdom and understanding you've got from any modern news story. See, we, uh, just like Jonathan, you have a responsibility with what you know, not with what you think you know. We often like to share our opinion before we know anything at all, before we look into anything at all, before we actually want to give an educated opinion because we want to be justified so bad. But you have a responsibility with the truth that you know. As we talked about in Jeremiah 6.16, there's an ancient path there. And you think, I mean, maybe you're hoping I talk about certain biblical principles or, or the, the kind of things that maybe fall in line with one political spectrum or the other. But no, these are like the harder things along that ancient path that we all already know that have been fundamental to Scripture time and time again. And how about these things right here? Like sin. What is Sin. You're right, Pastor Brody. They, should, they shouldn't be doing that because the Bible says that this is sin. Well, sir or ma'am, I wasn't talking about them. I was talking about you. About the sin in your life that you're already aware of. And nobody needs to point anything out to you. This is part of the truth in your life. That thorn that every time you, you know that you need to remove, but, you're all, but every time you still see this thing there, you're reminded of the grace of God that was extended to you, that is available to you to continue on the journey and grow in the whole, with the Holy Spirit in your life. The ancient path of repentance, the ancient path of forgiveness As Christ followers, there are some things that you have come to know is true. And one day, Scripture does said, everything that is hidden will be disclosed. Everything that is whispered in the inner ears of the inner room will all be declared from the mountaintops. But this comes, so we have some truth that we have that comes from a compass within. And that is what we are ultimately responsible for. What are you supposed to do with the truth that you know and that you have been given? Is it to find ways to divide yourselves from others? Or is it to find ways to do the Great Commission in Acts 1-8? Go, therefore, making disciples of all nations and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as you receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be witnesses in all Judea and all Samaria. The last one I want to talk about is loyalty to God. Last top of the tier is loyalty to God. An interesting story to talk about with that goes with Acts 5, chapter 1 through 10. If you have your Bible, go ahead and flip there in your Bible. Acts 5, verses 1 through 10.
Or do your loyalties lie? What is first? The end of the day, this is what I am loyal to. Crazy thing happens in Acts chapter 5, but before I get to that crazy thing, we see something going on in Acts 4.32. Remember, this is the, the book of Acts is what you're going to be going through in your devotions. This is our point of reference. We're talking about the first church. We're talking about things that began to happen with the first church. And in Acts 4.32, we hear that all the believers were in one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. And then you read about this crazy guy in verse 36 named Barnabas. He said, Joseph, a Levite came from Cyprus, came who the apostles called Barnabas, son of, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is what the first church was doing. This is the, the kind of unity they had, the kind of um, the, the attitude, the devotion that they had to each other, the loyalty that they had to each other, the loyalty they had to the truth, and the loyalty they had to God. But here's what happens in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, who sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Have you not lied just to human beings? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Verse 5, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Praise the Lord. Have a great week. Not exactly a very encouraging word from Scripture, is it? See, there's a new institution called the Church of Jesus Christ that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And let's see how Ananias and Sapphira lined up with this, with this hierarchy. Where Ananias and Sapphira, did Ananias and Sapphira do a good thing? Yeah, they did a great thing. They gave a large share of the money that they had they, they got from the sale of this property to the church. But they weren't honest about it. So ultimately, were they loyal to God? No. Were they loyal to the truth? No. Now, when it came to Ananias and Sapphira, were they loyal to each other? They were. And in this case, in this context, this hierarchy... It got them in trouble. Now, maybe you wonder, why is a passage like this 
in, in Scripture. I tell you, there is a new institution that God, that called the Church of Jesus Christ that God is going to protect and God is going to affirm. But Ananias and Sapphira wanted to make themselves look better than what they, they, they really were, like that filter on social media after you've taken pictures 12 different times or like the Christmas family picture that you took where you're all smiling, but you had to get your kids in those clothes. You had to put 22 buttons together while he's screaming. You're trying to put all that together. And then you get that family picture taken. Maybe you've experienced that before. But they lied when they didn't have to. They wanted to be justified through deception. And there was lots of that going on today. Wanting to be justified by telling one side of the story that favors us. Ananias and Sapphira should, should be a stark warning that the God of the Old Testament still shows up today from time to time to remind this world of his ultimate authority. What we see in this text is similar to what we see in, Achan, in Joshua chapter 7 with the story of Achan, who took the idols, was told not to take any plunder, and him and his whole family were stoned because they did not do, they were stoned to death because they did not do what the Lord asked them to do. Similar to what Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10 did when they, they offered unauthorized fire. It's similar in what 2 Samuel 6, 3 through 7 says. Let's go ahead and put that text up there. It says, they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was, was walking in front of it, and David and all Israel were, celebrating with all their might before the Lord with, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took a hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act, and therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. There was a a pattern. Maybe if you heard that, um, there, there was a pattern there that continues, that we see continuing from the Old Testament on into the New Testament. Now, when I first read that passage, it sounded like that um, Ohio and Alabama brought the NCAA championship trophy into the new, and then, then Alabama fell dead. That's what I heard the first time, but that's not what the text says. It's about them getting casual with their loyalty, their obedience to God. There's, I could unpack this text in so many different ways, but the simple truth was they did something wrong and thought they could get away with it. And that where it all began in this last passage in 2 Samuel was they put the ark on a new cart. Which goes right back to our text in Jeremiah 6.16. The commission that he tells us, if you can put that passage up there, Nick. We're wanting to take a step forward into new normal, into back to normal, into something new in 2021. The Lord is calling us to the ancient paths. Before we're ready for a new thing as we begin a new year, let's renew our commitment to devotion. Let's renew our commitment to scripture reading. Let's renew our commitment to prayer. In the midst of a polarizing culture, let's renew our commitment to each other. These aren't new things. These are ancient things that no matter what you ever do, if you try to be a Christ follower without these basic things in your life, if you think that those in Judea and Samaria are the enemy, you will find yourself lost, bitter, 
and angry and continue to follow who your true leader is. They call him the prince of that they call him the prince of the air, the king of this, the, the ruler of the prince of this world. That's the enemy that will ultimately lead us into a final division and destruction. Be a man or woman of God in this season. Find yourself going down the ancient path and renewing your loyalty, your commitment to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Maybe close this morning's service with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for each and every one that have come this morning. As I have come and I've wrestled with these things throughout this week, it is very clear to me that I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the truth of everything that's going on in our country. I don't, I don't claim to. I, that is way far above my pay grade. But, Lord, it is clear that I see us losing our love for each other. We're losing our loyalty to the living God first and, tra- and trading it trading our loyalty into, in for mechanisms that were created by man. God, may we be people that return to our first love of the living God, that we would be loyal to you, loyal to the truth, and through the grace that we have received and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't help but love our brother and sister whom you have placed in front of us. Lord, help us to grow in your power and your presence so that we could be witnesses as the first church was in such a time as this. We need your power. We need your anointing. But all of that begins when we can find ourselves at your feet on the ancient path of devotion and loyalty. And Lord, may, we, may the, those that are here this morning, may they find you and be empowered by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I invite you to stand this morning for your benediction. And again, uh, you, if you're, you're, we'd ask you to, to leave quickly put, as you place your mask on. And you can please, uh, you, the offering plate is there in the back if you would like to give, as well as to the Heifer Project offering. For your benediction, may you choose the ancient path of loyalty first to God, to the truth, and to each other. And in a world that tells us to pick a side, may you allow the Lord to do a new work in you that empowers you to fulfill his mission and build his kingdom. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.